we're back at it with another uh, another exciting edition of the uh, the old uh, Dropkick Basement. Uh, Visionary, the franchise, Mike Madden um, on my end and uh, Certified Five. Uh, Matt Geiger on his end. Don't sound so excited to be here, Mike. Now I, this, I'm, I'm listen. I'm 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 juggling. He's multitasking. Is I'm what's juggling going on. music intros and and introductions. If the music intro didn't hit, we'll figure out a way to get it on there at the beginning. But um, but either either way, we are excited to do a uh, another episode of um of Dropkick Basement, uh, where we kind of you know wax poetic on the history of pro wrestling and uh and think of it in our own uh magnanimous ways and and kind of invent uh scenarios and and situations where we want to make it you know even more entertaining for us so Very um, special episode today too is this a special it's a crossover episode a crossover crossover uh branded though it's a branded crossover under the same <laughs> right under the same <laughs> uh banner of uh off the cuff stuff uh that i invented uh again visionary over here um Jeez. well you gave your own you, you, you gave me the nickname i was going with franchise and yeah, you well, wanted to say visionary. About book it, rebooking a pay-per-view yeah, well, all right well <laughs> you reap what you sell but um i've got uh well uh, again we're bringing on our our special guest uh who is one of uh my collaborators on the count me down podcast uh stunning steve mizano um Steve. He went with stunning stuff. I was going to go with stone mold. <laughs> Steve Mizano. Steve Mizano, uh, Count Me Down podcast contributor and uh, and uh, creator of that show uh, with myself. Welcome to uh, the Dropkick Basement. How are you? Oh, excited. Are you kidding? This is, uh, this is a monumental event crossover. It's a crossover episode. Uh, it's like that time that, um, that we had the, uh, was it the Flintstones and the Jetsons? Uh, Came together and and created <laughs> created oh, harmony. That could be the last monumental. Yeah, you know, the Family event. Guy Simpsons crossover. Family episode. Guy Simpsons. Yes. Uh, another good one. Another good one. Um, so, Steve, uh, for the listeners, and we know they're listeners, they're not viewers, but um, for the listeners at home who uh, don't consume any of Count Me Down, uh, you want to give them an idea about what we do over there? Uh, yes. We take some serious uh, topics, but we take a lot of, I would say, tongue-in-cheek topics. Uh, we give a, a list, counting me down, mm. obviously with the name, uh, all the way to the end of really anything. It could be a silly topic. It could be best sports moments. And, um, you know, we just really just shoot off the cuff, right? I mean, it's just... Off the cuff. You know, here, here's the list, and then the other guys play off of it. And um, honestly, it be, it's... I feel like every episode gets better and better because they're just more and more jokes. And it, yeah. I will say, I like I, what we were talking, you know, before we started recording. I did listen to the most recent episode, and I had a lot of fun listening to it. Um, so if you guys are, uh, if you guys have not listened yet, make sure you go out and. and um, it's actually under the same. Yeah, it's under the same heading on Spotify. Right. So uh, give give Steve and Mike and um, and John and, and Johnny yeah. a listen. You know, we'd be remiss if we don't mention the better looking Mizano. <laughs> exactly. There's a third. There's a third one. There's a third one. <laughs> I didn't know your sister was on the show, but uh, uh, but that's yeah, cool. um, it, it was it was really fun, and uh, you know, um, I'd be you know, I'm sure I'll be I'll wind up over there at some point, but uh, 
it's it's a very unique dynamic, and it's something that I don't think is being done in a lot of other places. So uh, give it a give them a listen. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Matt. You're you're a real uh, uh, a real five, real mensch, real solid five. Um, so Steve, you brought to the table uh, this week a uh, a list. Would since you say he brought it to the head of the he table? brought it to the head of the table. Um, so we are today. We're going to count down uh, the top ten finishing moves in your opinion uh in the they history are, of pro wrestling they are in your opinion steve that's i have right. i have some bones to pick with you oh bones are going well, to be picked what this is about right that's the fun of this is yes that, uh, you know they're really they really are my opinion um now do you want my also rands or do you just want my straight 10 you know counting them down and then at the end i'll just throw a couple ones that i you know were my side ones let's do let's do it this way um start with the side ones give us yeah give us your side ones the ones that didn't make your 10 list uh we'll touch on them quickly and and if i have any notes about them i'll certainly throw that out there so go ahead what do you got perfect bubbling uh, well, under you know interesting right mike you know me having strong opinions right and uh <laughs> oh, there no are way <laughs> there are wrestlers that i can't stand but yes. to be honest some killer finishing moves by them right so in no particular order of my also rants, and I'll you know I'll throw one of them out there, give a quick thought, and then move on. Mm-hmm. Um, the GTS by Punk. Oh yes, somebody who you right? do not like. Yeah, I do not like Punk, but you know I think what makes a good finishing move, and maybe that's where I start. Right, is um, you know the realistic uh, how much of this would hurt somebody if it was you know if it was really done, how creative somebody got with a move, right. Uh, sometimes element of surprise or buildup mm-hmm. is a really cool thing about a move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that GTS is pretty good, you know? And a guy drops it and he, like, lifts a knee and, you know, and it obviously looks like he's going to, like, crash his face in. And it's just really – it's just a – it's a great TV move. It is, it. yeah. I was going to say it's, like, it's, it's built for television. And, and I will say you did nail the criteria very well because that those are definitely – and I'm not just saying to agree with you, like, the the things that I'm looking for – when 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 you're looking for the best finishing moves in in all of wrestling, yeah, and it does look like it hurts. Um, you getting a knee to the face is not a fun thing to do. Yeah, no. uh, here's a fun fact on that. Thank you for not bringing the originator of the, uh, the GTS. It's not the originator of the GTS. This was invented by Kenta in uh, in Noah in Japan around uh, 2005. Wow. And of course, obviously, there's a million variants on now. You've got Sammy Guevara's got one. Uh, there's guys that do double knees. How about, off um, of the, how about Wardlow's uh, old finish when he would lean the guy off the top rope and knee him in the face? Oh, no, that's a gross finish. I'm glad oh he never God. does that again. <laughs> I, he, was, he was. I mean, I thought he was killing people. He when was, was doing that. Yeah, um, he was murdering job guys. What's her name? Zoe Stark in NXT also does the reverse. Mm-hmm. You know, she flips them the opposite way. It's almost yeah. like a, a, a backflip into the GTS instead yes. of just a drop off the shoulders. That's true. All right, Steve, what else you got in your uh, your bubbling under? So this move may have made my top ten, but the problem I find is a lot of people don't want to sell it correctly, mm-hmm. and it's a re- it can come off sloppy, but it's really cool. Is uh, the Pedigree by Triple H? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Now I will say that I um, I do know what you're saying. Um, in in the modern era of wrestling, there, n- nobody sells it the correct way. The reason being is because when Triple H was doing the pedigree, you know, when he first started using it as his finishing maneuver, and up until I'd say like the mid two thousands, um, he was locking the the arms in that uh, upright locked spot. Mm, um, yeah. People were landing incorrectly, like breaking their cheekbones or like crushing their heads on it. So 
in order to keep the pedigree alive, uh, he was letting go of the arms so they could kind of brace themselves yeah. for it, or they weren't, or they were like you know kind of moving out of the way, or he was letting them go in the air. So I do know True. what you're saying with that, and I do agree with that to uh, to a point. Mm. Yeah, the worst would be great. I, my, him, got Max building up all his agreements to then shred then, me. Yeah, oh, just, yeah, yeah. Listen, this doesn't last very long, Stephen. He's going to trounce you. Um, but um, yeah, just. To, another, just just real quick on that, on on people who did not sell the pedigree, uh, enemy of the show, uh, Kane, always landed on his knees. He was it, 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 enemy like, of the show. Enemy of the show. I don't like Kane. Kane. I mean, top ten worst wrestlers. I think of all we've time, had a discussion about opinion. why I like Kane, and it was only solely because he was the little brother. Yeah, he stinks. Um, <laughs> and, he, and he didn't. And he didn't know how to take that pedigree the right way. Um, <laughs> also, uh, fun fact about the pedigree. Uh, originally done to a certain extent by Andre the Giant. Hmm. Really? Yeah. He I would, would never he would lift that, guy, and I like, you know, watching yeah, Andre. He there, would lift a guy a little bit higher and then drop down to his knee. And obviously, almost like, a variation of the Tiger Driver. Yeah, he'd want to stay off of his knees, so it might be a little bit more of a Tiger Driver, more of a, like, um, just a face impaler variant, but that's there. Just uh, keep that in the back of your mind that it was an Andre move first. Um, wow. Uh, another what also ran. Uh, another also ran, and it's probably just because this guy does it, and he's a little bit of a lunatic that looks like he just wants to kill people. Is the F five by Lesnar? <laughs> yeah. I am yeah. not a fan of the F five. Yeah. yeah, I'm only a fan of the move because he does it, and he's like a violent. You know, yeah. he like, you know, it looks like he like he'll drop you on the steps. He'll drop you, you know, on the you know on the announce table. He just looks like. He doesn't care if he walks away and you're like, oh, you broke my face. Yeah, he's, you know? he definitely has, like, there's a violence to how he does it and a, like, it, it wouldn't work with anybody else. And again, like, this is another one that uh, Marvelous Mark Merrow, I think, had a version of this as the TKO, well, which yeah, was like he, a no, swinging he was, cutter. No, but he, his T, I thought his TKO was just a Death Valley driver. No, 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 no. He didn't go down in the Oh, no, he turned it, Yes, no, he spun yeah, it he into did a, a swing. almost like a diamond cutter. Yeah. You're right. Yes, yeah. there you go. Right. Um, so he stole his move, and he stole his and he wife. stole his wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So my beef, Mark Mero, world's biggest cuck. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> my 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 biggest beef with the F five, aside from the fact that new, like the the Brock Lesnar that exists um, after, I guess, like you know, the early to mid two thousands. Um, there's there's things you could do with the F5 to make it look way more impactful from such a big guy. Like, you know, yeah. he, he's essentially just spinning somebody off of his shoulders, which anybody could right. do. But if you right. want to make it look more impactful when he's spinning them, you slam them to the goddamn ground. That's true. But you know what I mean? I mean, it, then, right, right. Th then it's literally a murder weapon at that point. <laughs> um, I think other guys who which, do it. Which is the idea of a maniac yeah. <laughs> right. 300 pound UFC yes. fighter. Yes, that's true. true. Yeah, um, but uh, I, Matt, Matt has Matt, Matt has good points. I have to I have to admit. Yeah, he, he, he does. He does. Steve, he wants that's to, the only time in your life you're going to say that. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, um, honestly, I can't wait till you shred me because I feel like that I'm going to be like, no, he's totally right. No. What was I thinking? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, he's also going to. At, at some point, you're going to be I've like, done such a good job of buttering you up. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to be giving like, you yeah, a mute button over there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I have two also rands left. Okay. And then I get sure. To, like, the, the, then the, you, meat. The, the meat and potatoes. Okay. So. And I'm going to go the buckshot lariat. I love, mm, yeah, because yeah. you know he it's it's the flip over the ropes. It's the I'm going to take your head off. If I'm not mistaken, 
and and you guys I'm sure will know and correct me. Like wasn't like the originator or something like that, like Cowboy Bob Orton. Like didn't he do like hmm. the like the you know there was, the, there's the been there's been a ton of variations of like the the um the like the slingshot lariat or like the uh the what what is that called like the or just a coming the, yeah just a like something where you're coming in from over the top rope like and you're a throwing rip, a clothesline lariat that's what I'm thinking of yeah I think I think what Bob Orton did I think Bob Orton did like a it, it was an outside inside clothesline but it wasn't as like it wasn't as set up as buckshot lariat it's not like the guy is dazed on the other side of the ring and then you're doing the you know the the flip over bob orton certainly wasn't a guy who was going to flip over he was it was more of him coming off the ropes and doing but it, it yeah maybe him just doing right. a slingshot in landing on his feet taking two steps and delivering the clothesline i think the only other guy that did it as a flip uh i i remember seeing uh rest in peace chris canyon do it uh in wcw yes, yes and chris canyon was a guy who would like go to the power plant at wcw and like learn all of these moves and he was the innovator of offense and wcw and yeah, stuff he was he was a very um yeah. he was very before uh, his time guy yeah very very much so uh a student of of one of of uh, you know seeing everything or, or innovating some newer stuff yeah um yeah which you know a lot of the guys in the, in the locker rooms will, will always speak so highly of him because of that and like kind of passing on some stuff to, to them that like you know mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't work in his arsenal of moves so like oh I learned this but yeah. it doesn't work for what yeah. I'm doing so you can have this yeah, exactly yeah yeah so yeah I've seen Canyon do it and um, but yeah anybody else who does I think uh, but who's the Logan Paul yeah his version of it one. sucks because he's like 190 pounds yeah he's a little bit like string beanie when he yeah. does it um, he, he fills, he fills more of a, uh, he, he's more of a, um, a tweener than even hangman is, uh, with like, you know, the, the difference between a high flyer and a striker. Yeah, true. True. All right. What else you got, Steve? Uh, last one is a, the guy who I truly is my, like my, probably my most hated wrestler, Mm-mm. but he's got a great move. Um, the curb stomp. Oh, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. Yeah. It oh, you just stop. looks so cool. It just looks. You know, it looks like a curb stop. It looks yeah. it looks like a cool move that, you know, if you really did it to somebody, you know, they'd probably have no face. There's two things that I like about the curb stomp is, again, it, it, it kind of like when you get a setup, it's almost, you know, you can hype the crowd up and, and you know, stand on the other side of the ring. You know coming. it's coming. And then when you hit it, like, there's a big pop. You know, that, that's great. That's always good to see. The other one is that one time of that one WrestleMania. Randy Orton and when Seth Rollins. When he did it and... Randy Orton like popped him yeah, up. Yeah, he and lifted gave him, him up with his shoulders RKO. from the ground and threw Fuck. him like ten feet in the air. Yeah. Um, the one thing I do, I I will say, I I do love the curb stomp. I hate that it's like Mox now is kind of doing it as like an insult after he left WWE. Oh yeah. Um, but the one thing that turns me off about the curb stomp is when when it, and it's probably more so WWE than anywhere else when they're when they're selling the fake. It looks really fake. Yeah, like right. you could tell yeah. it's being set up. You know mm-hmm. what I like? Like, mm-hmm. um, but other than that, it, it yeah, it, it does hit all those things. It's very impactful. It, you could sell that as a potential lethal. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it again. It, it's got a great. Um, it's got a great snap to it. And yeah, despite the fact that Steve hates uh, Seth Rollins, uh, the only other guy that I think used. A version of, I mean, guys use it as like setups before, but I think uh, what a Paul Burchill had like a, a curb stomp where he would like hold the guy's arms behind his head and would actually like 
Just do like a single there, stomp. There's somebody not with a jump, but like there's with somebody a, in NXT that was doing it, hmm. and I don't remember who it was. But I, you know, maybe I'll have an answer for you guys by the by the time we do another recording. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I will say, especially with modern wrestling now, is you don't see a lot of um, or as many maneuvers as finishers anymore mm-hmm. you see a lot of striking finishers you see a yeah. lot of um, submissions submissions and, yeah and i will now use this time to bring up one of my beefs with steve's list um steve you don't have any aerial finishers in your top 10 i do not right because I you don't like little guys I, <laughs> I i noticed that um when i compiled it afterwards i'm like wow i don't really have like a you know, a frog splash or now, something of that nature. Now, and now here's here's where I'll I'll give you a little bit of a leeway, okay? Because a lot of them don't have that 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 impactful finish that that uh, that I know that you described as something that you were looking for. But there are some, um, and it's probably guys that you don't like. Uh, I'm sure you hate Jeff Hardy. Who um, doesn't? You know, like Jeff Hardy was actually close to my also list because. The Swanton is a really cool maneuver. He gets height. He can get distance. He looks like he's going to break he his own neck. Used to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, no, he gets high, all right. <laughs> oh yeah. Now, now, what I will say, um, like, so for instance, the shooting star splash when it was being used as a finisher, like, uh, you go back to the days of like Billy Kidman, and then even Evan Bourne when yeah. Evan Bourne was in, in mm-hmm. WWE. To me, that was like the peak of like an aerial finisher sure yeah. you know but you also have like the macho man the elbow, macho man job, elbow which is, is awesome which is iconic um it's and awesome. and and that aerial maneuver could absolutely be lethal i would put um, it in my top the, 10 the benoit flying headbutt yes. is another one that so, that i think benoit's got a couple i, I think in chris benoit's arsenal he's got a few more lethal things to uh <laughs> He's got a couple finishes. He's got a couple light. Uh, what's the one called? Uh, just leave the Bible. Um, <laughs> Bottle of red. Anyway, uh, let's get into. Uh, so we're we're officially at your top ten. Yeah, and so just so you know, a couple guys that I thought right, mm-hmm. I actually um, recognize them more for submission holds than I mm-hmm. do finishers. Okay. Um, so they'll for sure be on my 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 submission yeah. hold list. Right. Um, right. So now we get to the top ten. Um, yes. Number ten. Number ten. I'm going to go with the tombstone okay. from Undertaker. Yep. Um, probably I don't know a top one of the top iconic you know finishers. Protected. Although a million people have done the pile driver. Yeah. You know his is just the you know I think it's because of his gimmick obviously mm-hmm. like he's you know he looks like he's you know putting you down to death and he right it's like literally like he's burying you yeah yeah um, you know and and. It's just a great finisher. It's just it, it you know, it, it's over when he does it. Unless you're in a, a WrestleMania, you got to do it nine times. But, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, for the most part, it's over. And and a finisher that uh, that got that got banned at one point. It was. He was uh, the only. Be- I think he's still he, the only one who's allowed to do it right. in WWE. And the, um, because of how uh, unsafe other people were doing it, I mm-hmm. would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah I agree. Yeah, just a couple notes on that one. First of all, Kane's tombstone is bullshit. Um, well, that's where I was going to go with that. I yeah. did not like the Kane tombstone. And the, what, my my one note that I will add is um, the choke slam horrible finisher. Okay, well let's let's we'll have another episode about terrible finishers <laughs> but later. I, listen, but I, I digress. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. By the way, that's I totally feel the same way. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, other guys that uh, and actually the Undertaker, his version of the Tombstone Piledriver, it was called a Tombstone Piledriver before the Undertaker because um, somebody was using it in, I think, in Japan, like they um, they were calling it a, the Tombstone Piledriver. But a few other guys that used it um, or have used it since, um, aforementioned Owen Hart, where he, uh, he broke Steve Austin's neck. Um, and his was more of a sit-out one, so there is no reason to do that ever again. If you're going to do that, you got to, you know, drop to your knees and, and kind of elevate mm. the guy a little bit. Um, the first guy I saw use it is uh, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, the Magnificent Morocco. Um, and his would be more of like an over-the-shoulder. Um, and he was like super light with it. He would just like little, almost like dunking a, a, a donut in uh, in your coffee. Just would boop, little, little right. to the knees mm-hmm. and then off the shoulder. Uh, Dynamite Kid, uh, w- who was a fucking maniac. Um, would do the tombstone off of the second rope, like when you would wrestle Jesus Tiger Christ. Mask in Japan. Yeah, uh, really wild stuff. And other guys have done it off the the off the ropes as well. Correct me if I'm hopefully just cruisers, but mistaken. There's somebody who's doing like a spinning. Tombstone. I was just gonna say the uh, the spinning tombstone. Uh, I don't know what he calls it, but Okada does one. Yes, uh, little Kazu. Um, so he's got a spinning one, uh, which is I technically like his his. It's the Rainmaker short arm clothesline uh, into the uh, the the tombstone pile driver, the spinning tombstone pile driver, which is his finish. Um, so yeah, I mean Undertaker, well protected finish. Pile drivers are 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 always impactful and, and always dangerous, and uh, and the fans should know that when they're uh, when they're watching. Uh, even modern wrestling that a pile driver could go the wrong way at any time start seeing so. a lot more now um with aw being a little bit more prolific and 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 uh, a secondary to just wwe wrestling especially on tv if you see people in the in the stands of aw when somebody takes a pile driver mm-hmm. you oh, can see people yeah. cringing because yeah. they know that it, there's a potential for it to really do some damage it could go awry i feel like like when like didn't like Ray Crippler just pick you up and fall backwards into a pile driver and like look like he was gonna snap everyone's neck? Um, like, I thought he was yeah, one of those guys that yeah. didn't like really, you know, like Undertaker. Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah, yeah, Jerry the King Lawler. They just fall back and you're like, this yeah. guy's not getting up. Yeah, Ray Stevens had a, and those were more of the like the the walk and sit down pile drivers. Yeah. And uh, Terry Funk had a walker. He he would do like a couple steps and then sit down on the pile driver again. Like if if you don't have control of the person's body, and their head slips a little bit further, you're not really protecting. Paul Orndorff had the greatest pile driver, the greatest like because uh, he had a yeah. jumping pile driver and th- like the way that because he was such a strong dude, like he would land that pile driver and then the jobber, usually the jobber who really wanted to be used on TV over and over again. Like they would do the impact, and he would hit Orndorff in the thighs, and then kind of vault himself out of it, kind of pop to make up it look like, yeah, exactly. Like he was getting shot to down and then bouncing like, off yeah, the ground. Exactly. Um, and Rob Van Dam <laughs> would do that every once in a while too, where he would yeah. use his neck muscles and like spring out of a pile driver, like almost onto his feet again, like real f- freaking monster shit. But um, but yeah, the Tombstone obviously is a. Uh, it's an iconic finish. So uh, so that is your 10. Where are we at going from here? So my number nine is the stunner by Stone Cold. Mm, okay. Not my favorite move. Um, I, you know, a showstopper, right? It just, the crowd always goes crazy. 
Um, you know, the the best ones are the ones that sell it. You know, they pop up off the floor and throw themselves across yeah, the ring. Scott Hall. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. a great move, right? Yeah. A great move. Fun move. It comes out of nowhere, you know, but not personally one of my favorites. But it's one of those that, like, if you're a... Uh, if you're a casual wrestling fan or you if know you know somebody yeah. that's a casual wrestling fan and you're like, hey, Stone Cold, and they're like, oh, Stone Cold Stunner, and they will like, they'll it's, show you how right. they do it themselves. It's iconic. It's it's now part of mainstream media yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, um, you see people like giving people Stone Cold Stunners into the pool and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so true. Now, the, the one thing I, I will say about the Stunner is um, – it became more than just a finishing move for Stone Cold because even after he was done wrestling, anytime he showed up on TV, you're assuming he's going to give a stunner to everybody in the ring, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I, I think what 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 kind of doled it down for me was the fact that every time I've seen him do a stunner since then, um, you know, like Vince McMahon cannot sell a stunner at 80 years old. Um, the guys that he's the guys that he's giving them to, you know, uh, like you know, Shane McMahon is not giving, he's not taking it and, and selling it the correct mm-hmm. way. The new, you know, the, the the active wrestlers now want the Stone Cold Stunner from Stone Cold, and mm-hmm. they will sell it the right way. Yeah. Um, but you know, you see guys like falling and not taking it the right way, or or a lot of the times he was giving it to like the authority figures, and and they're not yeah, really, they're not you know, they're yeah, not taking right. they're not so, escape enough to do it. Yeah. So for as many really really good ones as you've seen, you've seen some really some really real, shitty some ones dog, too. Dog shit sells. Uh, by the way, I, I feel like you, I feel like you've made it though. Like when he has, and I think he's he has said this, he has wrestlers come up to him in the back being like can you stun me tonight yeah right <laughs> right like yes. when he shows up and it's like that's pretty damn cool that you know yeah. they they you know want to pay tribute so bad and he says uh-uh, i gotta stun linda mcmahon uh-uh. again uh-uh. <laughs> there's, a, there's a baby mcmahon that i gotta give the stunner to <laughs> and we also know now since uh since the retirement of stone cold that the uh the stone cold stunner has been passed along from stone cold yes. to kevin owens so yeah that that that's a, a great segue to my uh, little note section here. Uh, Steve Austin apparently uh, saw the move performed by uh, gorgeous Jim Garvin, uh, one half of the fabulous Freebirds at the time. Um, he did a version of that, like you know, in some match in WCW in the early '90s, and Steve Austin like just put a little footnote on it. Not that he started using it then, but he was like, "Hey, that's you know, that's kind of a cool move that I could use as, as a finisher." It is not an Ace Crusher. Um, a lot of people get it confused that it was invented by Johnny Ace in uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling. It it is not. Uh, we I'm sure we will get to uh, what the Ace Crusher actually yeah. is a little bit later. Um, but yeah, you guys. Guys got uh, uh, Kevin Owens does a, a stunner now. Uh, Mikey Whipwreck uh, in ECW had a uh, yes. and this was off the like the second rope, the Whipper Snapper, and uh, Disco Inferno Shark uh, Boy used it as the Shark Boy yes, <laughs> and uh, and Disco Inferno also used it and he called his the Chart Buster. Love that. Now I hate that Disco um, Inferno too. Now. Uh, kind of just rallying back to what you were saying about the origin of it, um, I do remember if this if it, the, the story if this is the co- the correct way the story goes. Mm-hmm. Um, Stone Cold saw him execute it, and then I guess eventually somewhere down the road um, ran into him, and they were kind of like working on some stuff in the ring together, or you know, get, getting evi- getting advice from him, and kind of circled back around to that, and was like, "Hey, yeah. I have this variation. I want to see if it's okay." Yeah, and showed it to him, and he was like, "Yeah, dude, take it, go with it. That's mm-hmm. phenomenal." Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, number nine. Number eight. We're up to number eight. So I'm not writing this down. I'm going overseas here. Um, Pack your bags. So it is um, an MDK move. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Burning Hammer by Kenta. Oh, yeah. Kenta Kobashi. So, you know, amazing, right? This is like a torture rack into a I'm going to drop you on your skull yeah. move. Yeah. Like, it's probably out of all the moves that are these, you know, finishing moves, the most just looking at it, you really think you're like, how is this guy getting up? He's just dropped on his skull. Yeah. And um, to my recollection, I'm going to use a one piece of trivia. And Mike, you well, actually, you and Guy would know better. Mm. I believe he only used it eight times. Oh, I have no idea on that. Could have it could have been. Um, uh, what I do know about it, uh, and again, Kenta Kobashi, It wasn't even Kenta Kobashi's like main finisher. So yeah, you might be right. Like it might only be used eight on eight occasions as like the be all end all. Um, but I, it is banned in the United States. Yeah, and and now I do know that the dangerousness of it is why so many people either why it is banned or why so, so few people I've actually seen use it. I yeah. can only think of one that I've seen do a burning hammer, and I don't even think it's the actual real burning hammer, and that would be Dan Moff. Yeah, no, Dan Moff did. He yeah, he used the burning hammer. Yeah, uh, um, on the Indies. Yeah, uh, and and we you know the. What do we see him twice wrestle? I think yeah. in person, yeah. um, he did it. I think a total of like eight times, and six of them were to Janela. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, again, it's another one that's got a lot of variations. Uh, I think uh, Bianca Belair does a sit-out version of it. Yeah, she kind of does the burning hammer into a Mishinoku driver, but it's not yeah. dropping on your head; it's dropping it's a and face flipping plant. onto a face. Plant. Yeah, so there's a little bit more. Like again, we can get the body control over, and it's not necessarily directly on your neck. Right, and then like I said, Zoe Stark has a combination of a burning hammer, go to sleep. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a few other people that. Um, oh. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs does the torture rack um, into a slam. Yeah, so it's yeah. A ver- another variation. Of right, that I think as it's well. like he brings a guy to the front um, or something. But yeah. you can you can just see from the execution of the move how dangerous it really is, and I think the reason why, first of all, it's banned in the states and why it's so rarely used anywhere else is because wrestlers understand the severity of what it could do mm-hmm. to somebody if it's not executed correctly yeah. and the positioning of your hands and body is in such an awkward position to execute the move that they don't nobody would is even really willing to take that risk yeah exactly yeah uh, uh, one of the I, I would imagine that somebody in a uh, in a in a major league pro wrestling locker room would be like that finish doesn't work for me brother but a million guys on the indies would be like yep i can take it i can do it it's going to look great and you you know again you'll see it on indie shows and you'll see it like sprinkled here and there um in japan but uh good luck finding that on a on a televised pay-per-view yeah, yeah absolutely I mean, the, but it's a, it's it's a killer i mean i weigh 180 and i would not trust any professional wrestler to do it like i just feel like you're waiting to be crippled like it's just not worth yeah. it but there's you know. there's not enough um, there's not enough muscles in the neck for you know nope <laughs> not a, not in not in my st- stack of dimes of the neck um, <laughs> there's not there's not enough beers in my system to be but right. I I would also say like that uh, that would probably make my top ten as well I I love to see a good burning hammer and, and uh, again Kenta Kobashi that's the uh, the innovator of it I was very happy to see that on that list Steve yes very good yes. Um, oh, that I impressed. You, know, you, you did impress. Uh, go on with uh, with your next impressive uh, number. So some of these coming up, you're gonna like. They are long forgotten as finishers, mm. right? They were just classic, great. Like so, the next guy I consider 
to be one of the top three or four most underrated wrestlers I've ever like watched. Eugene. Character, wrestling. It's <laughs> Rick Rude, the yeah. Rude Awakening. Rude Awakening, yeah. The, um, uh, also known as the Hangman's Neckbreaker, uh, the Rude yes. Awakening. Now, what was it about the Rude Awakening that, uh, that, that, uh, that impressed um, you? So, you know what? It's the, the thud that comes down when he just lands that if this guy's head isn't done right, you know he's going to have a neck problem after that, right? Oh, it's yeah. definitely yeah. – like it's the type of thing that if you were like screwing around at the bar after a couple of beers and you did it and then the guy wasn't getting up, you'd be like – you know, <laughs> people would be like, what were you thinking? Like you didn't think that this was going to cripple the guy? Like, you know, and it literally – it looks – it looks like a finisher. It does, right? yeah, and yeah, yeah. And well, now, and nowadays a neck breaker is like you know you get the swinging neck breaker and all these other ones, but they're not, yeah. you know, they're like mid match moves. What made Rick Rude's uh, Rude Awakening? Uh, there was a couple things that made it made it great. First of all, the setup, which was um, he would uh, he would swivel his hips, he would lock you in the position and and have yeah. you have you clamped by the neck behind him, but he would also swivel his hips, which would usually have somebody's wife or uh the ultimate warrior on the front of his tights um airbrushed uh but then uh you know we would drop down and there would be the arrogant cover because he knows and this is the thing like the impact of that is not just like it's not just on your neck immediately it's neck shoulders head um it's kind of a you know you're, you're sort of getting like broken down in parts as you're as you're as you're landing um, very similar to like almost like a reverse version of a Stone Cold Stunner. Um, when you really think about the mechanics of mm -hmm. it, um, the other good thing about the uh, and Steve, you'll probably know this uh, also was uh, right after the uh, the Rude Awakening would be administered on a uh, on an opponent, uh, Bobby Heenan would come in the ring, and uh, Rick Rude would do a different type of Rude Awakening to um, a planted uh, lady in the audience as well. Yes. I see now. I that's the one the one thing that I do remember. Um, and also, Steve, I agree. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> love okay. it. Love Great. it. Thank you. Now, also, to be fair, I didn't hear a thing you said because I was turning on the lights. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but you know what, Mike? You know, and, and you know, Matt. The, the most impressive thing he was only in the WWE when he first came out for like a few years. It's true, right? Like, and yet you remember. I mean, I remember him. Like, you know, like. He's just a memorable character. Of Polarizing very, very much. Pissing people off and, you know, like yeah. you said, the, the gyration and, you know, he was just, he was just good. He was a, he was a Attitude Era-esque character before the Attitude Era yeah. existed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He would be copied by uh, one of our other least favorite guys on this program. Palpinus. Uh, Palpinus, yes. Um, uh, <laughs> who, uh, who ironically, Steve, used a frog splash for a finisher. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wow, wow, that's good. The money shot. What a goof. The money shot. Um, <sighs> just a couple quick fun facts. Also, porn star and wrestler. Porn star, yeah. <laughs> mm. Save that, you save know that for future episodes. For his opening line of every time, hello, you know, every time they hit the ring. I, all you have to do is hear somebody say, hello, ladies. Uh, and right away, you, that's all you think of. Give me, that, give that, me Rick Rude all day calling yeah. you a bunch of Staten Island sweat hogs or <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Jersey City <laughs> and you, 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 and jackasses. Now, I, I know we're talking about finishers, but, you, but now, you know, when we get into a discussion like this, I, I like to kind of bring it full circle. Mm. You see how polarizing a character like Rick Rude was. Yeah. Um, you see that 
show uh, in and paid back in homage by guys like MJF right now yeah. who are going out there and and are like, listen, I'm a good looking dude. I know I'm good looking, and you know, obviously, everybody knows MJF's you know line tagline is "I'm better than you." Yeah, I'm better exactly. Than you yeah. know right. it. Which is a—it's almost kind of dialing back to that. Yeah. Um, but he'll—he's uh, also the same guy. He'll—he'll he'll go out and grab a girl in the crowd and make out with her. Yeah. And then he goes out there and he calls everybody swine and, yeah. and you know gross yeah. hogs and. It's an homage. <laughs> it's absolutely an homage. Um, again, I, I just want to circle back a couple quick fun facts about this. Uh, Rick Rude, the Rude Awakening. Originally, he always had Rude Awakening as his, what he would call his finisher, but there were two other moves that he used before he used the Hangman's Neckbreaker, um, one of which was a straight-up DDT um, that he would call the Rude Awakening. That, that is the one that I did remember. I, yeah. I had to ask Mike you know, which one we were talking about. Yeah, he, he used the Rude Awakening as a, a DDT, I think, in like Florida and maybe Memphis. But he also, before he had used the Neckbreaker, he, called, uh, he, he had one of those... Uh, it was one of the over-the-shoulder backbreakers um, that John Studd and Jesse Ventura did. Uh, he would call that the Rude Awakening as well, but um, certainly he found the right recipe with the Hangman's Neckbreaker, calling that the Rude Awakening. And uh, and uh, let's just let him uh, take his robe off and show the world what a real sexy man looks like. Interesting fact about Rude was supposedly he was a real like family man. And he never took off his wedding ring, even during matches. He would just yeah. tape it over. Yeah, well, a, a real pro. Also, right. um, another interesting fact about Rick Rude: maybe one of the greatest like WCW United States champions of all time. Unfucking touchable, like banger matches, and he would have great matches with fucking everyone. Also, Goddamn, Rick one Rude of the great. original members of the Generation X. Yes, he was correct. Yes, uh, he made his way around. Heenan family, Dangerous Alliance. Generation X and <laughs> NWO as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Solid. All right, let's keep going, Steve. Okay. So next one is, and again, another move that like nowadays it's like you know you can open up with it and it's like a laugher. Um, Jake the Snake DDT. Mm, yeah, he is who I I relate the DDT to. Yeah, if you um, no if doubt. you ask somebody who invented the DDT, I would guarantee that 90% or more would say that Jake the Snake originated the DDT, but mm -hmm. he's he's the one that popularized it. And, and oh, he invented it. Look, it. Yeah, he invented okay. it. Yeah. Well, Straight then, up. There you yeah. Go. I didn't want to sound and like a dummy. And he almost killed Steamboat with it, which yeah. is amazing that he like literally told him, we can't do this. You know, you're going to get hurt. No, do it, do it, do it. Then a guy gets a concussion, basically ends his career. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but again, it looks... Anytime you watched it, you know, the thought that Steamboat actually took it outside on the concrete, you're thinking, how far does this guy, you know, it's Ugh. a mat, but like, mm -hmm. didn't even care. It was just like, that's wrestling back then. You know, you'd never it's, get away with that today. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and again, I think that's the the testament to Jake and the way that Jake did it. Again, there were other guys that like, so if he invented it in the early 80s, uh, as he said, just by a complete fluke. Um, just the way the setup that he did, uh, very much in the same way with Rick Rude, where he would do the short arm clothesline and he would look around and the people would be chanting DDT and you knew it was coming and um, it led to the DDT. Pretty arrogant cover where we just sort of like, you know, flop on a guy or put like one hand on him or whatever and you knew it was curtains. And then it would be the setup, the prerequisite to the snake that comes out and the dumping uh, of the snake on the opponent and and all the humiliation that went along with that 
Um, or in later days when he was a heel, when he would bring that fucking terrifying cobra that ate Randy Macho Man Savage oh alive at one time. <laughs> I had nightmares about that as a kid. Oh my god, that's amazing. Um, Jake was one of those guys too. Like he didn't have to hold the title. No, to be not the at guy all. You Very few guys like out. that, yeah. even at that yeah. time, and and even you know once again circling back now um and and the impact that the ddt had on future wrestling is so crazy because the amount of variations that came out of mm-hmm. jake the snake stumbling into inventing a move you have the you have the tornado ddt that's been yep. used by how many you know how many guys yeah. and, and girls throughout the years you have the the jumping ddt off the turnbuckle which that, i that a guy like Orange like cassidy uses yeah um you have um, you have the uh, the the double underhook DDT that Cactus Jack used. You have the mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the, the DDT variation that that um, that Moxley uses. Mox now. has the elevated one. Yeah. You know, you have the yeah. swinging DDTs yeah. that like uh, Buddy uh, um, uh, Buddy Murphy uses. Like mm, Buddy you know, Matthews, yeah, Buddy yeah. Matthews. Um, but like you know, and, and like you said, he he kind of like unintentionally invented this move that 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 wound up becoming such an iconic thing. Um, and 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 even the regular DDT now, when it's when it's sold the right way in, in in an important part of a match, can really give that gap to like reset and get, let, let the crowd really like get the the impactfulness of what's going on in the match. Yeah, it's just the problem is that nobody does it like Jake, and even the guys that did it well. Like I wrote down a couple. Um, Arn Anderson used to have a great freaking. Yeah. He had yeah. a snap on the DDT that was tremendous, and that would be the type of thing like he would get a big pop out of it because there weren't a lot of guys that were using it in WCW. Um, Michael P.S. Hayes used it. His was more of a, you know, he would do the DDT and then he would kind of twirl the guy's body over his shoulder at the end, and then he would do a little bit of an invert flip on him. And um, so that there were some guys that, that did it real well, but I don't think anybody. And that's why now it's like a transition move. Like it's basically all right, lock up. There's a DDT like in ninety percent of the matches yeah. that, are, that are going to go on TV this week, um, and people that are using it in dangerous scenarios. You know, like you're coming off the top rope or you're doing it on the outside or you're doing it on a stack of chairs and somebody's going to kick out of it. And it's like, and I, I would imagine like somebody like Jake Roberts would be like, you're, I let you use this. You, you, you scumbags. I let you use this. And this is the, this is the tribute that you're yeah. giving me is that you're, you know, you're letting guys kick out of it and in prelim matches on dark. <laughs> I, I have, uh, I have one underrated DDT and I have two overrated DDTs. I want to get mm. your guys' opinions on okay. the underrated DDT Raven. Yeah, this is this is good. Very yes. underrated. Yeah. Um, and way, now before you say your under your overrated ones, I have to tip my hat to you because you named so many variations of a DDT in life <laughs> that every time you named another one, in my head I'm like, he doesn't have another. He doesn't have another. He's got another one. Played like, a lot of video games growing up, Steve. <laughs> uh, so now, all right, so. One of my least favorite DDTs, and it's just a normal DDT, but the setup, the way it was done, uh, picture getting thrown into the ropes and then just stopping your momentum and DDTing somebody in the middle of the ring. Who am I talking about? It's The Rock, and it sucked. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then um, the other one that I don't, that I do not like, and it's strictly because of the use of the word vintage. Now, wait a second. Hold on. Before you shit on The Rock completely, didn't Rocky do the float over DDT? Well, he did that float over, which I do like, but it's, yeah. it's the one where he would just stop in the middle of the Yeah, like, right. Exactly. Yeah. You're right. Um, yeah. in the short DDT. Now, yeah. the use of the word vintage or classic mm. is really what bothers me about this because Randy Orton's double legs on the ropes DDT yes. is 
is a is a very impactful move. Mm-hmm. But when you have to hear Michael Cole every Monday go, Vintage Randy Orton, yeah. I hate it. It bugs the me. Impact predator. Yeah. Like, but and it's like you know, like like okay, Randy Orton is somebody who could use the word vintage. He's been around. He's he's one of the youngest champions ever. He's you know been around since he's nineteen years old. But then you have mm-hmm. a guy like. The Miz, who like does that stupid, you know, running clothesline into the corner. Yeah, vintage and they're, Miz. And they're like, vintage Miz, like vintage. What's right? No, you, show me him on Real World. That's vintage. Okay, all right. <laughs> Sorry, so, I will have to say that. You know what? Yeah. The Raven, that got me. You're totally right. Mm-hmm. Um, also, one of the worst used wrestlers. I forgot oh, who I God. Found, I thought. You know, one of, one of my <laughs> one of my favorite matches that nobody ever talks about is a uh, it's the triple threat hardcore match between him Kane at and, seventeen and Big Show that was a really good hardcore it match. was yeah and they almost uh, killed the lights to the whole building and yeah ended WrestleMania early that yep, day yep 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 all right I, um, I had okay, to digress so now we got the top five okay um, I I always think of this person when I think of the spear I think of Edge. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he created it. I feel like he did. I feel like he did it before Goldberg, but maybe I'm wrong. But he's the one that I do. I, you know, and it's when hit right, you know, the guys should be sort of walking towards him so this way he can flap over, right? And mm-hmm. then it's just like boom, done. Yeah. You know. So, so now, um, if I'm not mistaken, Edge was around before Goldberg debuted, but Edge did not use the spear before Goldberg. I don't think. No. Pro wrestling historian here, Mike Madden. Um, <laughs> I feel titled. I love it. Oh, that's uh, number nineteen of his gimmicks, right? Uh, <laughs> there were guys that were using a spear before, and mostly they were like football guys, right? Because like, Mongo McMichael had a spear, like when well, he wrestled in like ninety right, six. So now my my argument with this, and I'm not arguing against what you're about to do mm-hmm. because I know where we're going with yes. this. But my argument is that that is not a spear; that is a shoulder tackle. Because they were football players, and there was guys that were doing that, but it was never called a spear until Goldberg and Edge started doing it. True, true. Yeah, Goldberg but would now, be the first guy that, and he was using it in '97 as a setup for the uh, the jackhammer. Right, but now yeah. with that being said, coming to my right. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Put oh. the bricks right there. Because with that being said, Michael, go ahead and destroy this, please. Here's the thing, and again, Steve, just. Uh, we knew this was going to be on your list. <laughs> we knew this was going to be on your list. We we have a preemptive strike set up. Right. And Matt I and I, love it. Matt and I, I uh, it. as the creators of Dropkick Basement, uh, both of us said, uh, now it's time to, to make Steve uh, really uh, regret. Know his place. Re- just regret being on the show Enough to begin is enough with. and it's time for It's change. time for a change. Uh, <laughs> the, the spear is, is basically a hug. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a little, it's a little hug to the ground. Uh, yeah, I think Edge's spear, like, is good if the guy is, like, real thin, like Jeff yeah. Hardy, and he can, like, whip his head back and get a concussion. Yeah, there's uh, people that have been bent in half over it, but it's also... Those guys it's are... only because they weigh the amount that yeah. I weigh. And it works for Edge because he's a very tall man. Uh, the only other good one that, that there is, uh, actually a rather short man, Ricky Starks has a really good spear, mm. uh, because he leaves his feet and he lunges at the middle section of your body. He's not running towards you and hugging you to the ground. Like most of these, Charlotte Flair is a terrible spear. Terrible. And right. I just hate it in general. For a woman's wrestler, 
usually working with girls like she's got the size edge that that well to steal the term that edge has um so she should be able to cut girls in half and really make it look great but she is basically like a hug to the ground um so you don't really necessarily hate the move you just don't think that People I don't think it's not being executed it. correctly. Yeah, yeah right. I don't um, think anybody in wrestling the, does I, it right. I, no, I hate the move, um, but <laughs> I do agree with that. Um, Bobby Lashley's is awful. God awful. awful. He um, barely hits you. Goldberg's Goldberg's was the only one that I think looked correctly impactful. Edge's was a, 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 a scenario-based impact. Yeah. And if it worked right. right. Goldberg is the only one that could execute it and make it look like he was killing somebody every time he did it. And it was because he was a former football player. And he was also green as goose shit. Yep. And he didn't know his he, way he around the ring. So he, would, he, he would do a spear into the turnbuckles sometimes like, and leave his feet and throw like Joe Gomez into the turnbuckle my, with the my spear. Biggest, yeah. My biggest beef with it is it's essentially just a lower aimed Luthez press. <laughs> With uh, with all due respect to Luthes, like you're 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 a foot away from having a girl rip somebody's hair after they tackle them and slam it on the ground because that's what that's like it was you know what I mean like that's that's what that's it just I don't know it didn't it just doesn't do doesn't it for do me. it for me. I love that we both so just I, said I, that I, and then yeah. backed I, off of our mics. <laughs> so double you guys double mic dropped me. We did I, yeah. I, that I also appreciate that like when it's done right. It is a good move. Yeah. Most don't do it right. But I will say, as much as I don't like Goldberg. But also, um, I, I feel like. Let him finish. I'm sorry. No, no. It, it was a good move for him. That was, you know, yeah. I, that's what yeah. I would say. I, I do also feel like that um, everybody, I, the, the guy, primarily the people that we were just talking about, mm-hmm. Charlotte Flair, Edge, Goldberg, even Lashley, they're not using that as their finisher. Edge used it as his finisher for a little bit, but he also had right. like four or five other That's, moves yeah, that he yeah. used. He had the Impaler DDT. He had he the had Executioner. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He had yeah. to have sex with your girlfriend in the middle of the ring. Right, exactly. He had, well, he had the serial adulterer. Was that one of his finishes? He had to come up from the come up from the stage in the fire circle. Mm, fire pit, yeah. He shouldn't be wrestling so, anymore, by the way. You did bring up about having sex in the middle of the ring, and mm. I do have a story. I saw him outside of, I'm going to say it was SummerSlam at the Garden. Uh, me and my friend, a friend mm. of mine, Paul. And um, he, you just see him walking across the street and, you know, well, yeah, Edge. And my friend just goes, my wife wants to have sex with you. He goes, hey, bring her around. <laughs> so That's like, amazing. We were like, this guy's cool. Like, yeah. That was it. We were That's like, great. I like that even more. Oh, I can't, he can't oh. wait to have sex with somebody else's wife. What a, what a charmer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're uh, we're four. into the four. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, one-winged angel mm. by Omega. It's a great move. It is. You know, it is. It you know, he's always slamming you down on sort of that like shoulder, like bringing your face down. Like it is just, you know, it comes out of nowhere. Sometimes, obviously, he's got to prop the guy up, but like it happens. The crowd always, yeah. always loses it for it. It's just a. It's got a, a sense of violence, but there's also an art, and it's got to be sold correctly. Um, all around, just great move. Um, love it. It's. The absolute epitome, and we talked before about guys that had finishes that were protected. Um, Tombstone Pile Driver protected finish forever. It was the the, the end for an Undertaker match uh, until they were like, "All right, we'll have Undertaker and uh, and Shawn Michaels, and he'll kick out of it six million times, and Triple H will have to kick out of it seven million times, whatever." Right. Um, Jake Roberts protected finish with the DDT. 
Uh, this is the next evolution in that. The only thing, though, is nobody else in the world is doing a one-wing angel. Nobody nobody wants to... Do, no, it's, I would say that nobody wants to do it because they understand how impactful it yeah. is right now. Yeah. There's only been one guy to kick out of the one-wing angel. Is it Will Ospreay? No. Okay. Okada. Oh, no. Uh, Kota Ibushi. Okay. I th- maybe... Maybe Osprey kicked out of it this past year at Wrestle Kingdom. I believe or? so. Um, all, I, all I have to say about this is um, always done well. Um, yeah. The one the one drawback that that I have to it is um, there's always about six or seven false setups to it yeah. throughout a match. <laughs> um, right, but, but, but that's okay. Um, the impact delivered always looks amazing, especially when you're throwing somebody off of you know the top of a stadium with it. Yeah. Um and and um the uh the the way he how how well protected the person taking the move is mm-hmm. while making it look so severe. Yeah. Uh is re- really sends home how important it is for Kenny not only to have that move and execute that move well but um but to be on top the way he is. And it's um I think it it it's also impressive again it get, you get height on it. Um even from like you know a regular match like you know, it looks like again. It looks like it's a uh, very basically. It's a variation on a, an electric chair mm-hmm. uh, pile driver or electric chair bomber um, that guys have done. Like Kevin Steen had a package pile driver before. You know, you're compacting the body and you're and you're driving them forward. Uh, but also, like what's great about it is that it leads right. You're right in a pinning combination yes. with it. So if if you take it the right way as the opponent. Um, you really don't have, and he's got a leg hooked while he's doing it. So, um, right, your shoulder, you're landing with your shoulders tucked, and a leg hooked into the ground. So it's already a. It, everybody's ready to go home. Yes, you know he yes. doesn't have to like do it, then jump to the side and come back, and so yeah, I, I it, think that it works on so many. I think levels. that's one of my favorite things about a lot of um, some of the older moves is if they or, or finisher moves in general, if they if they go directly into a pin, it means a lot more to it for mm-hmm. me personally. Yeah. Um, like uh, the perfect plex to me was like a really yeah. really cool finisher yeah. back in the day. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then uh, now you see like you know the blue thunder bomb. Nobody nobody's ever finishing with the blue thunder bomb because it, it leads into such just like tic tac. It's, it's a weak pin because you're only you only pin. really have like one right. hand on somebody. Yeah. Whereas with the one winged angel, it's you're literally you're, you're hooked, hooked. You're hooked, yeah. and you're the, and Kenny's body weight's over the top. Yeah. And you're almost in a small package. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And by the way, the perfect plex almost made it to my also's. Yeah. Steve, um, that would have been it. We would have been best friends. Yeah. Um, you know, it was really close, actually. It was on my other list, and it literally missed out by inches. How I many mean, lists? Did- <laughs> He's got 60 lists. <laughs> my, Mike knows I do research. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I, every guest that we've had, and, and you're not, you're not, you're not slump, slumping off uh, by any means, has been very well prepared for the show. We've had two guests, you know. Right. So they're, and they're both <laughs> very well prepared for the <laughs> show. Awesome. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. I think the, um, that was just like a fisherman suplex, right? That yes. That pin. So, which by the way was really cool though. But he hung it up so long, like he, the, yeah. he like yeah, slow rolled it. Like, mm-hmm. It's a good finishing move, a little underrated as well. Yeah, yeah. Nobody um, again, nobody does it in the, in the way that the execution Henning of did. It, yeah. 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 Let me ask you this: because you guys are like, I would say both real experts at all. Oh, like, don't, no, historical. Uh, I'm here. Right? <laughs> uh, so 
I mean, uh, the, like the one-winged angel. Mm-hmm. You have to be a real pro to pull that off. Is that part of why somebody wouldn't want to try Absolutely. it at all? Because it's like you really got to be a pro. Uh, I th- I think the other side of that is, and I, th- you know, the, there is some truth in that. Like you've got to like you've got to know a lot about body control. You've got a lot of you, basically you have to know about weight distribution for that to work. Um, and with the way that kind of guys get trained and and they come up in the indies and and they start to like you know pick out signature moves or finishing moves, I think you know one of the mistakes they would be is like, all right, well, in practice, we're, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to try a one in one wing angel. And once you realize that like Kenny is a super athlete and, you know, an incredible, um, contortionist, so to speak, uh, who can, who can hold you as high as that, um, and bring you down perfectly. I think a lot of people would shy away from it and say like, Oh, you know what? It's, it's too complicated for me. I'm not going to try it. God bless you that you do it. And, um, you know, I, I can't wait to, as, uh, I think Scott Hall once said to the, uh, to the Dudleys, um, you got a great finisher there. I can't wait to kick out of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the other part of that too, is that, um, a lot of guys realize that, um, size goes into a lot of factoring into whether or not you can execute these moves or whether or not mm-hmm. the people you're working against can execute these moves. So for instance, like even a guy like, um, Spike Dudley, who was a cruiserweight could could not contort his body and, and maneuver in the air the way that a lot of the other cruiserweights could. True. So he had to find an entirely different way to wrestle um, because he would admittedly tell you that he can't do a goddamn front flip, let alone a mm-hmm. shooting star press. Yeah. So that works similarly to like a guy who's in you know scaling in over two hundred, like Kenny, who could do those things, yeah. but also understands body control, like Mike said, like body manipulation and stuff like that. So. This is, um, Steve, I believe this is our, was this our fifth or sixth episode? Yes. And Matt has mentioned Spike Dudley. Every episode. Every okay. fucking episode. He shoehorned Spike Dudley in. Okay, noons. Oh, wait, no. Like, I that he, like Spike Dudley invented pro wrestling. <laughs> and, uh, I, I mean. I've watched a lot of mid-2000s or early 2000s wrestling, it's late like, 90s. It, it, it's just like he's the only guy that ever got thrown around. Spike Dudley. Well, I'm, all right. We'll break this down. It's, we'll, we'll we'll break <laughs> N- this down at episode. some point in a future episode. We'll just have you well, on like the confessional couch. Like why Spike? Why? Why Spike? Why Spike? Why Spike? Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> number number three, Steve. So you know every match, right? Every great match has a build up, mm. right? You build up, right? You get the fans in. You got to get them emotional. And I'm going to do that right now oh, okay. by going to the most hated finishing move first that I've ever seen. It's a guy who I don't like. I've Is never it? liked as a wrestler. I'm one of the few people that never liked him in any walk that he's ever done. Mm. Um, matter of fact, when when Hulkamania and he told you to eat your Wheaties, I was the kid in kindergarten that would slap the Wheaties out of your hand and look around for a, like a pop from the crowd mm. because I hated him. The leg drop is the worst finishing move. It of is all. so happy you said that. Yeah, it is the worst, and that they sell that and sold it to people in the eighties just showed you how uneducated wrestling fans were. <laughs> that they licked it up. Okay, the whole superhero Hogan type of thing is okay, mm-hmm. right? You know, that was a great. It was a great gimmick at the right time. Kurt Angle did it better. Terrible, terrible finishing move. There's nothing good about it. 
no. No, I, 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 I yeah, was a lot of, that's, I, I that don't even have that anything to say. I'm, I was, just, I was, I'm, I'm just, yep, okay. <laughs> but all right, perfect. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll move you, to number three. You're just, you're just so, talking about, but just real quick, you're just talking yep. about Hogan's leg drop, right? Yep. Not like if you saw beautiful Bobby Eaton come off the top of an Alabama jam, and it's a, it's a full force top rope leg drop. That's a different story. Correct. Kudos Hogan's to leg drop just didn't even have an impact. It no. was just not it, even good. It, and and even it, even early in his wrestling career, it got to a point where he wasn't even really jumping. He was just kind of like letting his legs come out yeah. from under him. It yeah. just looked awful. <laughs> Stinks. It looked like he was like just like slipping and slipping on a banana peel and having having just happened back. to have his leg yeah. land over somebody's neck. Yeah. Oh, Terry Jean. Oh, Mr. Balea. Mr. B. So number three, mm. I identify it with one guy, but to be honest, it's such a split move to me. It's uh, the diamond cutter or the RKO. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? Element of surprise. They got to the point where wrestlers would come up to Randy and be like, "I'm do- let's do it this way. He'd be mm-hmm. like, awesome. Right. You're yeah. writing my match yep. for me. Um, you know, the diamond cutter, when I first saw it in, in, in WCW, was just really cool. You know what I mean? It was just like. Out of nowhere, bang! You know, and then he would yeah. do the, the the diamond in the hands and bang because it was such a quick explosion of a move. Um, really, just really cool. And you know, DDP is a cool guy. I think, yeah, not most skilled guy, but he could talk on the mic. He was a guy that you know what? If you were hanging out and you were BSing at a bar, he you want to yeah, you want to hang out with DDP. Yeah, and it's and it was a great finishing move. And you know, it wasn't just a move. Like I said, it was the diamond with the hands and. Everything yeah, I loved the, it. I, the, still, I still think it's a great move. Yeah, for the setup, for the setup, for the execution, for the you know, again the variant ways that like he would deliver it, like out of a fireman's carry, off of the ropes, out of a you know, it's like spinning out of like a neck breaker, yeah, coming up, yeah. yeah. Like, there was a lot. Of, the, he, he a defensive and offensive move. He yeah. opened up the innovation that inevitably became how Randy innovated the RKO, mm-hmm. which which you could talk about now. You so know. this is uh, and again before we even like touch on randy's is that this is why i think dallas is is better because dallas is it, it's a cravat you know you've got a um you've got a variation on a headlock it's a it's kind of a top wrist headlock that he's coming down with so there's again when you're we're just talking about the simple mechanics of it it does look it it looks like it's more driving um randy's is spectacular because randy's but it's more of like a you know kind of front placement of the hands um well yeah but, Rand, randy's uh and randy's got more, a more jump more, to it it's more in the arm than anything mm-hmm. and randy's got more of the jump to it so he's got the leap leading into it right it's driving you down to the ground whereas you know with with the is bringing it's, you it's bringing you with bring you with it yeah mm-hmm. yeah um dallas page is an interesting folk uh because again like here's a guy that was a, a manager in the AWA. He was a commentator in WCW. Then was like thirty six years old and was like, "Bro, I want to wrestle. Yeah, he, I think I can do this." He didn't get in until late, and that's what I think. That's why he's such an interesting. And guy he too. sucked when he first started. Oh, yeah. He sucked. <laughs> but then it was like, all right, well, he figures out the diamond cutter, and then it's like the second that he figured it out, like he knew he had the coolest finish in pro wrestling. And again, like there's. I, I circle back because the stunner we said originally was not based off of Johnny Ace's Ace Crusher. The diamond cutter was absolutely 
a variant of the Ace yes. Crusher, um, which was just again just another kind of um, you know dropout forward bulldog you know type move. But the way that Dallas incorporated the crowd, uh, incorporated the hand signal and and the Diamond Doll and all the other like you know little bits about his character, um, it fit him so incredibly well. Um, and when Randy Orton picked it up, like Randy Orton just sort of figured out a new way to lean into it. Mm-hmm. Um, Okada does one, uh, does a cutter. Uh, there's a bunch of guys that do, again, there's a million different like tag team versions of cutters my, too. Right. Like the, the Dudley Death Drop. The Dudley, yeah. Can't wait to kick um, out of that. The 1D. My, my, yeah. my least favorite variation of the diamond cutter is the one that Carl Malone does. <laughs> okay. That's it. Oh, I thought you were. <laughs> oh, was that the one where he uh, had sex with a fourteen-year-old girl? Or um, oh. beesh. talk yeah. about a diamond. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> uh, well, no, but so now um, Peach the, the the innovation of that, like we were saying, led to Randy Orton, you know, further innovating it, and 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 Steve, like you said, like guys are coming up to Randy, and you know, before shows, like, okay, this is I want, I want to, I figured out a way to get the uh, the RKO, and like you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the two most iconic ones that come to mind for me are obviously the one that we talked about earlier with the curb stomp with Rollins, where yeah. where Randy launches him into the air in the middle of a crowd. What is that in San Fran? I think it was. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, San Jose. Yeah, yeah. Like literally launches yeah. him ten feet into the air and and just has this crazy looking diamond uh, RKO just mm-hmm. like literally out of nowhere. I, yeah. And it's very you know cheesy to it's say it that way, um, but. I think, in my opinion, the, the the coolest setup to that was in the Royal Rumble when Evan Bourne hits that 450 and Randy looks like he's on the ground yes. ready to take a yeah. 450 and he yeah. just leaps up and, and comes down with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, uh, you know, with like we were saying with DDP, with the setup of, you know, getting the fans involved and, and the, the, the diamond with the, you know, the hand gesture and everything, mm-hmm. like Randy Orton's setup for the, for the RKO inevitably became like a, almost like a mock of how everybody sets up for a finisher yeah. where they sit in the corner and they do the, you know, they're like mm-hmm. chomping at the bit um, where he like flips over and he's like smacking the ground. He's like pretending he's, he's a snake. Yeah. It's uh, like, to me, that's yep. almost like him, like mocking everybody else in the world. Like, you know, you, we all know you're going to do your finisher. We like, everybody knows it's coming. <laughs> Just, you know, you know, there doesn't have to be a, a, a two and a half minute buildup. Get to, on to, with it. Right. right exactly. So, <laughs> Um, but and I think that's kind of him just trolling everybody. Um, he, I know, like if, if you look at the kind of guy Randy Orton is, you know that he doesn't like doing that. I, I feel like he, he looks like he he knows he looks like a shithead when he's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> he, was a, he was a rich shithead going to the fucking pay window to do it. So oh. don't bump his bank account, brother. Um, so that was uh, what was that number two or number three? three. Right? Uh, that was number three. three. Number three. All right, so we're, we're in the top two. Yeah. Number two, um, Sweet Chin Music, HBK. Uh, yes. Love it. Yes. Love that move. Another one that's got that. great setup. Yeah, I love that he. It always looks like he's picking a guy's head off. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I'm not a pro wrestler. I don't know how you can't screw that up once and not hit the guy in a nose, and the guy just is, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, has no nose. Right. Yeah. Every time it's done perfectly. He's the consummate pro. Right, nobody does it as good as him, and there are guys that do it well. Yeah. But nobody does it to how he does it, and can get his leg up as high as he can. Mm-hmm. 
right? I mean, it's just incredible. And yeah. It's, it's, it's a showstopper. Well, the, the, yeah, the, main the, the one thing about the Sweet Chin music is um, for every guy that does it now, it takes them like six to pull off one that looks really, really right. great. Yep. And Sean had uh, success every single time he said it. Yeah, and it, it was up. a one shot every time. And he made it again. And even if even if they kicked out of it, it if he yeah. did two or three in a match, they all yeah. look phenomenal. But like big guy, little guy, like it, 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 it's an easy again. It's an easy move to take, and it's and when you got an opponent that'll be like, all right, oh, I'm charging at you, and you, you're crouched down, but you get to your feet and you could just hit it out again. Another out of nowhere type of thing. Um, Innovated uh, by gentleman Chris Adams uh, in World Class Championship Wrestling, uh, also was a was a pretty strong finisher and uh, and one that Gorilla Monsoon would say, oh, oh he kicked his head off uh, when Haku, uh, one half uh, of the Islanders, uh-huh. Haku, uh, one of the toughest men in the history of the world, yeah. uh, when he would do it, like it was more of a thrust kick. Um, but like he, yeah, he 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 could get his his yeah. leg pretty high like that too. Jumping sideways lunge. A little bit, yeah, a little bit more of a like a high karate kick. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris Adams too, a little bit more of like a judo kick because he was a judo uh, medalist in the Olympics or something. Um, but yeah, Sean took it to like unbelievable, and that's why everybody does it now. Everybody and, does uh, it yeah, now. Right. Sean did it, and that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. You see the super kick party. You see everybody doing it. Rollins has one. You know, there's everybody has one. Yeah. Um, what I will say, the two things that just very quickly, um, the fact that he was so good at it made it why everybody wanted to do it and yeah. why everybody, even you know your friends and you know my friends when we were wrestling around in, you know after school in third grade were doing it to each other. Um, I do agree with you, Steve. Though, like I I can't imagine if if I had to be in the ring and take a sweet chin music, I'd say eight out of ten times I'm getting kicked in the mouth and it's gonna hurt. <laughs> I'm an idiot, but that's just that. Um, but I will say, I, I I thoroughly believe that the reason people wear the spandex and leather pants or started wearing the spandex and leather pants in wrestling is because of Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. And he started change, he, he changed his um, his his gimmicks up a little bit to to kind of have that that snap yeah the 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 thigh slap yeah the slide the thigh slap it yes. sounds better when you're wearing when you're wearing the leather pants <laughs> right. yeah and not all men can pull off leather pants so uh no not a lot of men should want to pull off leather pants <laughs> um just put them on uh i i will say selfishly uh there was a while there where I could, I could throw a pretty decent super kick. I, I feel <laughs> there's there's one specific time at the bar where I saw you throw one. Who, yeah. What were we? It was my sister's birthday. She had a yes. she had a, a, a life size like Pokemon. Uh, Mike was P- Pikachu. Mike was and, kicking the living shit. And I was out throwing of this I was throwing some good super kick. Like and I and the, ti- I the timing the, the timing too. of the, the smack to the to the contact was was flawless um, and pokemon was, really sold it too like he, there was no he left involved his feet. at all i promise yeah, yeah. no it was it was it, it's one of those things where it's like all right i think i can like nail that thing with a pretty good super kick and i did it, it was at the end of the night too it, like mm-hmm. you know we're all we're all kind of like we're all banged it like up it was, it was great it yeah. was just a, it was a good time to see mike that happy <laughs> yeah oh i walked out of there like i was the goddamn heartbreak kid. um so now <laughs> This is in uh, the number one on your list, Steve. Um, without Watch further, yourself. I'm throwing shit around here. Without further ado, let's let's get right into it. I'm I'm very I'm very anxious to talk about this one. Okay. So it's coming, it's coming. But just on a side note, 
and maybe this can you can donate a whole episode to how much of a lunatic Haiku was. Haiku, um, yeah. The, the greatest <laughs> Haiku was very me. mellow in two or three lines or less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, number one finishing move, um, near and dear to my heart. Uh, he's probably, maybe, definitely a top three favorite wrestler. Mm-hmm. Is the Razor's Edge? Yeah. I mean, a crucifix. You know, so you have strength, you have a thud, you have, you know, force. Mm. You know, put him in a crucifix. You know, sort of walk very quickly, mock jog across the ring, and then drop the guy on the back yeah. of his neck. Um, so it's like a crucifix into a power bomb that nobody, I mean, and if you, if you prove me wrong, I'm going to look like a, a schmo, but nobody ever did anything like that leading up to that move. And that was just, you know, the coolest move by the coolest guy at that time. Power, again, just having, and I think this is, this is one of the big things to, to just, you know, kind of reflect on. Everybody was like from ninety one until ninety three. Everybody that was over the over like six foot five a had a power bomb, right? Yeah, you, you know, Vader had a great power bomb. Sid, Kevin Nash, uh, and then it was like, all right, well, all these guys have power bombs. What's going to make mine different? And I believe the story goes that um, Danny Spivey had been in Japan. And Danny Spivey came back, and he was he was kind of toiling around WCW at the time in in ninety one and ninety two, when Scott Hall came back to WCW, uh, and he was the Diamond Stud, managed by the aforementioned Diamond Dallas Page, mm-hmm. and they're you know they're all like kind of sharing ideas, and I think Danny Spivey was like, if you want to throw a power bomb, just like hold him a little bit higher over your head, and Scott Hall he, he's like, well, you, it's good enough for you to say you're like six nine. He's like, how am I going to do it? And he showed him, and he was like, yeah, you just make like a cross. And then spread spread the arms out. And uh, he did it a few times. I think it was called like the the Diamond Death Drop when when he was the Diamond Stud. Um, But it really took off when when he went to WWE, uh, WWF at the time. Right, and... the one time I will give Vince credit for something like this, um, because at that point everybody needed a gimmick, right? Mm, so yeah. you bring in a guy like like Hall, who was at that time a really really high level worker, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. and was kind of not being utilized very uh, maybe it's as as well as much as he should have been in WCW. Yes, um, and he had to have a gimmick, right? So what do you do? You make him a fucking cocaine dealer. You make him. And you put razors on his outfit, and you you reenact eighty percent of uh, Scarface with him. But the razor's edge—I mean, you're you're nailing that on so many it's levels. Perfectly the, the named. execution of the move, the name of the maneuver, yeah. the the marketing of everything, the 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 way the character does it, what he, he the the, the, yeah, the, the thing setup. afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, Steve, I'm hyped right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the um. Yeah, just, you know, again, just to sort of, like, tell the rest of the tale is you've got... Then he goes back to WCW. He's Scott Hall. The Outsider's well, Edge. You, well, you can't call it the Razor's Edge. Yeah, you're going to call it the Outsider's Edge. You're still holding on to that edge part of it um, that they invented in in uh, in WWE with the with the Razor Ramon character. And, yeah, you're right. He's, he's top five coolest pro wrestlers of all time. 
Absolutely. Um, I I mean, loved them growing up. Loved, loved them. Should have been a world heavyweight champion. Um, but he, he, he was so good, and he could be a big man. You know, he could wrestle like a big man. He could wrestle like a... He's like, what, 6'4", six, 6'3"? Six, I think he was like 6'5". Um, but, you know, kind of stocky in early career, body guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, just the use of that powerbomb variant and that... It, it was... It, Mexico, there were a couple guys in Mexico that would do it, um, and they would actually follow down. So they, it would call be uh, Splash Mountain. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think a Super Delphin did it and in the Japan. Only, yeah, and the only other variation, um, even uh, even now, uh, is that with the last ride, but it's still that's a different. The, the yeah, that's just high a setup up and down a, in, yeah. from an actual power bomb. But also, um, there's guys that do that uh, th- that elevated raises edge into um, like a sit down power bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that's a, that's a uh, very much so like a uh, a luchador vibe kind mm-hmm. of move or or a Japanese type of uh, yeah yeah just thinking of like the way that like the, again it's just everything is about like positioning in the ring so like giving yourselves you know Scott Hall would take two steps back he would do it he would set the guy up he would do the pose you know make sure that when he hits he kind of slides a little bit the jobber or the the guy who's taking it slides a little bit forward mm-hmm. and then you're just it's the end. You're just falling on and, him for and a pin. And prior to that, like you said, I mean, besides Splash Mountain, I think the only thing comparable to that would be like a crucifix roll up at that point. Yeah, well, it's, you know, and that and that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't really have a lot of jokes for it because it because uh, <laughs> it's, so it's so good. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just I'm just imagining it right now and like and seeing. I mean, I I have a feeling that when we're done with this episode, we're gonna watch something <laughs> like a highlight reel. Yeah, of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> just because, like, I mean, uh, I, just hearing hearing you say that because I didn't, I, Mike, me and Mike talked about it. I didn't know what was number one, so I was just kind of inevitably mm-hmm. hyping it up to do it. But I'm glad that that was up there as number one, um, and I like it brought me back to a nostalgic point where I just remember Razor in the ring hitting the the the, the where he's pumping his chest doing and, the cha and doing the the yeah. arms out mm-hmm. and the pyros going off and oh, you yeah. got the cool guy music playing it like it brought me back to like this weird I don't know like nostalgia point in my childhood that I didn't you unlock the memory I didn't know existed. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, I tell you, it's like he's just the man, right? Like. Like you said, Mike, he should have won a t- like the you yeah. know, he should have won the, the top belt no matter where he went at right. some point. But like he's you know not I mean I don't know the guy obviously didn't know, <laughs> but like I don't think he cared. I think he was just like I'm gonna give you the I'm gonna steal something right whether it's mm-hmm. gonna be on the mic whether it's gonna be in the ring we're gonna do the best match right like he just had a flair to get it done, you know where some guys I don't know if they have that like I don't make me. You know, maybe it's partly that you're a kid when you're watching it, mm-hmm. yeah. but like you just feel it like, you know, it's 30 years later from when he was like in his prime. Right. And you just sit there and you're like, yeah. this guy was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's true. Yeah. And it, and it, again, it's it sort of like it, it takes the best elements of like what makes you a fan. And it's like, oh, it's just, she's just the coolest. Oh, he's yeah. just a badass, yeah. and you know we could I mean, we could sit and talk to, talk about him for hours. But I mean, maybe that would be something like on another episode that we circle kind of circle yeah. back around to. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I have to tell you, Steve. I, I, aside from the uh, you know not having the Swanton bomb up there, maybe uh, <laughs> somewhere, I'm, I'm I'm thoroughly thoroughly impressed with with the list. Um, and and I think you did a phenomenal job, man. Yes. Yeah. 
Awesome, man. I appreciate it, and I look forward to doing the uh, submission holds maybe one day. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to have you on the bat. We'll uh, on another episode. We'll have submission holds. We'll do some off the top rope stuff, um, and then maybe some of the worst finishers of all time. Uh, of course, because w- with every good episode, you have to have uh, a bad one on its heels. Um, I think also like you know with all these finishes like i i'm matt and i aren't going to really employ ourselves to to give our honorable mentions because you had almost like 12 other honorable mentions on your top 10 <laughs> i i think you really i like yeah there i mean a lot of honor you if, did a lot of you, did you a lot really of service. did nail it if there was if there was anything you know damn well that i'd be the first person to step in and be like well you missed this one uh, yeah exactly um but the one thing that i will say before we tap out on this um you know uh is that um we me and mike have tossed around the idea and it's definitely going to happen uh, of, of doing these snake draft kind of episodes um, mm-hmm. and you are absolutely going to be a part of that because yeah. uh, you know we don't have too many friends first of all but hey, come second on. of all because I because of how, how good you are with these lists man yeah no, you, uh, you really uh, no, awesome. this, is, this has been a blast I have to be honest I, and uh, the going down memory lane right mm-hmm. as you know my thought was like i'm gonna bring it up i'm gonna say a couple things that i why why i feel that way and then i'm turning it over to, to the experts right because i know you guys are gonna have facts honestly i still can't get over how many variations of the dvd <laughs> <I'm asking about. laughs> it was up there with like forest jump like trip gumbo yeah. trip, you know whatever like it, it literally did i was like Gonna get another. Uh, yeah, he's the uh, he's the the bubba of uh, of our show. He's certainly. Uh, I, Matt- I put the rain man in rainmaker. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. But uh, but yeah, we've 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 had a uh, a tremendous time. Uh, once again, uh, you know, plug the uh, plug our podcast and, and talk about uh, uh, you know, a little bit about what to expect in future episodes of Count Me Down. Oh man, uh, you know what? Future episodes are going to be probably just as ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I think what makes the show good is that the amount of seriousness that we take ridiculous topics to. Right. It's, yeah. And we talk about, you know, serial mascots or, you know, cartoon mascots of products. <laughs> and it's that, you know, it's there's a zillion things that'll make you laugh. But at heart, like we have this bone of seriousness that we actually mean it. Mm-hmm. And oh, I just think that that's what makes it great. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that you treat it like it is such a serious subject and it's kind of, you know, like these little niche things or things that are not very serious at all. I, I just want to throw a recommendation out there. Um, awesome. A list of of your top ten, um, uh, like uh, brand mascots, but ranked on how much you want to have sex with them. Oh come on, jeez! <laughs> how much you want to have sex? All right, <laughs> I will say that, that uh, leave them they're popping at my house anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I, at, at this point, I think uh, yeah, I, th- I think Matt lost the map. Um, but you know, maybe we'll figure, maybe that'll be your episode when you come on, uh, and, uh, and we can pontificate on that. But, uh, with that being said, um, we want to thank, uh, stunning Steve Mizano, uh, for, uh, accompanying us on this journey through some of the greatest finishers of all time, um, for my sidekick and, uh, my, uh, compatriot over here, uh, the certified five, or maybe he's calling himself certified 10 now. Uh, always a pleasure matt geiger always an honor and a pleasure uh remember <laughs> that we are we are just uh we're just normal men we're just normal innocent men and uh this has been uh the dropkick basement uh mike madden signing off matt you got anything else to uh to say before I've we rambled way too much you, already you thanks have, guys you have uh all right everybody have a great night and uh keep it in the ring 
awesome. Lady